This is the Polycom Power Selling Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Jose Mateo. Jose, welcome. Hey, thank you, Jeremy. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your work at Polycom. Yeah, so um, I am a Microsoft Solutions Architect or a UC Architect, as we're known. My team and I focus on delivering kind of being liaisons between the field and the Microsoft uh, ecosystem that we support. At the same time, work with, with the Microsoft field to tell them kind of all things Polycom and how they work on the pre-sales side. Okay, thanks. So we're talking today about handling objections. And, you know, first, I think it's sort of a given that objections are universal and very common, right, if, if you're in sales. So my, my first question is, why do buyers make objections? Where does this impulse come from? Well, um, really, it depends on the actual buyer uh, himself or herself. Uh, they are mostly trying to figure out whether or not uh, what they're getting is going to benefit them, uh, whether or not it's going to affect them in any way. Uh, and I mentioned on the podcast that many people make these decisions from self uh, first, uh, meaning, for example, if you encounter a an IT administrator, for example, here or she might uh, think to themselves, how is this going to affect my personal job? Um, if I go with this particular solution, does it mean I'm going to be out of a job? Um, is it going to mean that my job is going to be harder, et cetera? Um, and so I think they come from the innate desire of people to just kind of look out for themselves first. Okay, to kind of protect themselves a little bit and, and maybe also to gain, gain more knowledge about what exactly is, is going on here, especially if someone's calling them like on a cold call. Yeah, exactly, right? So um, I, I personally don't know what you're selling me. And, and, and honestly, the objection might come in from just sheer, I mean, we're 21st century go people and I don't really have time uh, to listen. So unless uh, what you're proposing is a interesting to me at all, or you have something that I might be interested in, in, you know, at some later point, then I'm not even going to listen. Um, I know that happens to me quite a bit at home. As a consumer, I'll have people that drop in and you know want to sell me either new internet service or new security system or new whatever. And the first, the immediate thing I do is I don't have time for you. Right. Which is one of the most common objections. And I, I, in fact, I want to talk about that a bit later. Um, so in, in any case, if you're in sales, right, you're going to get objections all the time, maybe even you know, most of the time, maybe literally all the time, what would you say is the single most challenging thing about dealing with objections? I would say it's, it's, it's a single thing, but it's twofold. It's number one, as I mentioned on the, on the, during the, the, the session, is to be prepared for any of them. You know, going into this with the expectation that you're going or the anticipation that you're going to receive an objection is, is part A of it. But part B is, being able to answer it um, without sounding like you are arguing with the person. So being able to say, you know, validate that their objection, well, well, actually validating that it is an objection and not just an excuse for not wanting to talk to you. But if it is an objection, validating that it is an objection and telling them, hey, I, I understand that they may be a problem for you. Have you considered this? Or, or sometimes just asking a simple question like, um, 
Can you expand a little bit more on on why you think that's important or why why you think that's a problem? So so I guess to answer your question, it is knowing how to answer the question without seeming combative or or uh, argumentative. Right. And and that actually gets to my next question, which is what are the biggest mistakes people make when handling objections? Yeah, uh, I would say that it it is it is ta- you know, number one is taking uh, offense to you know they, it's nothing personal against you when someone has a, a a an objection now it could be that they just don't like you and they just don't like the way you deliver or whatever but chances are it, it's it's not that and uh, so for you to be able to say they have a problem with this and I don't want to get combative with them. It's just not the right time, or I need to answer this in a way that makes more sense to them. So I think the biggest problem would be, you know, taking it to that argumentative level. Mm -hmm. Maybe sort of taking it personally or wanting to challenge the the prospect in, in a way that's not helpful. Correct. In the webinar that you gave on this topic, you outlined some steps that reps should take to handle objections. And the first one you already mentioned just a moment ago, and that's preparation. So let's say a little bit more about that. So preparing how exactly? And I was hoping you could give us a specific example of the kind of preparation you might do in a, in a specific instance. Prepping uh, is, is all about getting to know, A, the customer itself and the business that they're in. I think oftentimes salespeople will take their solution and try to fit it into a one-size-fits-all mode. And, and you can't really do that. So you have to understand who your target is in terms of who you're going to speak to tomorrow. So if I'm speaking, for example, to a bank, they do business than a school. Uh, if I, so, so knowing the business of the company that you're going to deal with is number one. Number two is preparing for the audience that you're going to be speaking to. So for example, I, I mentioned this as well, an IT administrator has different, uh, will come at you with different objections, ha- objections has different ideas and goals than the vice president of IT. And so knowing who your target audience is, not only from the industry of who you're working with, what they do for business, how they make uh, revenue and how you can position your solution to help them meet those goals is one thing, but then also being able to understand uh, the target audience and what their particular goals and objectives are is another. But in terms of uh, specific examples, um, we do this quite often, and I think we do it really well at Polycom. We uh, we have pre-meetings with the salespeople, the team that are going to be uh, covering and meeting the, the prospects or the you know the, the customers the, the next day or say the next week, and we touch uh, base with with what are the meeting objectives? What are you trying to get out of this particular meeting? What are success factors in it? And we try to outline them. And, and, and me, for example, in my current role, I am an overlay to the sales organization. And so I deep dive on Microsoft. And so when somebody contacts me, I say to them, well, what do you need from me to be able to ensure that you have a successful call? Um, what does success look like for you? Are you looking for a PO? Are you looking for um, just some seeds planted and stuff like that? So the more you can meet before the meeting, we'll prepare for you to meet, to, to um, talk about when you're actually meeting. Okay. And, and I assume that means you can also anticipate, better anticipate the kinds of objections that you might get and be able to come up with good ways to respond beforehand. 
Correct. Yeah. And, and to be able to ask those questions, or where are they financially? Are they ready to buy? Are they, who are we talking to? Um, do they have an, an incumbent te- technology in there? Because then these all come back to you know, the questions that, you know, are you, uh, oh, I'm already using competitor X. Why should I go with you? Well, if we know that they're using Cisco, for example, if they're using some other uh, uh, vendor, then we can come in and say, oh, well, what about this? Or uh, how are you leveraging this technology? Or did you know that we can do this? So uh, yeah, absolutely. Now you also talked about the importance of storytelling and specifically weaving objections or or sort of anticipating objections, weaving that into the story. So which makes sense, but what does that actually look like? And, and again, it would be good if you could provide a specific example. I love storytelling. Um, it's it's one I think is the strong suit of, of what my team does in being able to uh, simplify it. In terms of weaving uh, uh, store the the com- the objections into the story, it becomes something as simple as saying, "We have a customer today where uh, they are a." Big branch, a large branch, and this is a story that we tell all the time. And they, uh, they were, they came up to us with a problem, and their problem was basically that they had way too many people or, or, or personnel that that were sitting around waiting for people to come in and ask for loans. So basically, they had way too many loan officers. And uh, for us, we we said, hey, well, you know, we can put, you can use video for that, and we can create kind of a telebanking scenario for you. And you can come out and and, and, and instead of having a, a banker at every site or a loan officer at every site, you can now centralize all of that and have uh, sort of virtual loan officers, if you will. And what that can do for you is it can cause revenue, uh, sa- savings on revenue. You don't have to have the overhead of people at every place and blah, blah, blah. So, and the story went on and on. But what we did there in telling that story was we handled the objection of, is this going to, where's the return on investment going to be? So we talked immediately about that by being able to centralize everything. We talked to them about what they will actually be able to get from this, which is they'll still be able to meet their business objectives without having to necessarily spend more money on this. And and so uh, we told them something that was very, very compelling. Um, they, they ended up going with our scenario and they went from hundreds of, of tellers in one or, or loan officers in one location, uh, I mean, a, a across uh, several locations throughout the state into a centralized location for all the, the loan officers. And it made for a tremendous uh, success story. And that's just one example of several that we have. And we tell this to other banks now. Um, and, and it's a compelling story. Okay. Interesting. So in other words, you anticipate with a new client, you anticipate that, of course, they're going to ask about return on investment, right? Whether yeah. in the form of an objection or just a concern. And so you tell strategically choose a story that illustrates for how another client, they, they got a good return on investment with your solution, right? That's, that's the strategy. That is the strategy, correct. And clearly it, it seems to work. So now- Near the beginning of your webinar, you showed a slide with something like 50 common objections. Maybe it was more. You, you've already um, talked about one or two of them a, a little bit earlier, but let's drill down, down on a few others. And I think, especially if you're cold calling, the most common objection probably, or one of the most common objections is just the simple, I'm not interested, right? Just, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to talk about it, not interested, so let's say you get that thrown right in your face. Yep. What are some strategies for dealing with that? That is the, that is the toughest one, right? Um, it is it is making sure that 
you know, if, yeah. if it's a not interested, it is a, a follow up with a question. So, so backing up, uh, I, I mentioned this before. I mentioned that telling a story or, or having a good sales pitch obviously is, is, is important. But look, I, I watch uh, television commercials all the time. And one of the reasons why the Super Bowl is uh, the commercials are often so uh, more interesting than the game uh, is because the commercials are so good and people are captivated by what they are offering in those commercials that that they then come out and say, well, you know, based on what I just showed you, does this sound like something that you're interested in? So so the compelling story at the beginning or the, the, the commercial, if you will, that you are providing is super important to gain the appetite, right? To gain the, 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 the actual interest in what you're selling. But understanding that some people are just not interested is, is okay. Now, it doesn't mean it's okay and you drop and you say, hey, good, and I'm on to the next, which in some instance you have to. But for you to be able to say, is there, is there another time where you might be able to be interested in you know, talking about this? Is it something that you're not interested in as, as a whole or did I just catch you at a bad time? And if you caught them at a bad time, it's okay to reschedule that you know, and, and say, well, how, how about if I follow back up with you in, in, in whatever time frame and, and then follow that up, right? Although that that's – I mean you're sort of conflating two very common objections, right? One is, well, I don't have time, which is a little bit different than I'm not interested, although they're often kind of part of the same objection, right? And um, I mean would it be fair to say that if someone says I'm not interested, that should be a signal to the caller, right, to the rep that, okay, however you open this call didn't catch the interest of the person. You didn't offer value in those first few seconds in a way that that made the person want to stay on another few seconds. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And that that's kind of what I was getting at when I was saying about the commercial, right? Make sure yeah. that your yeah, that your pitch at the beginning is is intriguing enough to to gain to uh to foster interest. And and I mean, what what's the trick there because 9 out of 10 times if you call cold call someone, they don't know you. They have no idea, you know, what you're about. What what are some best practices around those first few seconds, you know, the kind of pitch that you want to make from a, from a polycom perspective, like what are you, you know, what, what seems to work? Yeah. It's from a polycom perspective. I think that, that uh, it's the best thing to do is to be able to ask a, a question about how are you, what kind of tools do you use today for collaboration? For us, for example, Jeremy, right now we are communicating with one another over a web application and everything that you need to accomplish your task is being accomplished with this, right? For me, if I were selling the technology that you're currently using, mm-hmm. I would ask a question like, um, hey, do you guys ever have meetings that you need to record or, you know, potentially podcasts that, you need, that you're needing to perform or share with your organization? And if they say, yeah, well, you know, from time to time we need that. Well, well, what are you currently using for that? Or are you using anything right now? And so now I'm trying to find out the... I'm trying to gain and and get them to talk. And then once they respond to me, then I say, well, you know, I offer kind of what we can do. Would would you like for me to be able to, or would it be cool if you could just get something where you can click and open up a browser and the browser just kind of does everything for you and you just starting, right? You have a host and all you, the other person is just your participant. And so now I am, I am telling them the solution rather than getting into nuts and bolts. And I think some of the problems that we have oftentimes as sellers, as we try to get into so much into data dropping uh, or data dumping or, you know, solution nerd knobbing and uh, and we lose 
uh, sight of what's actually important to them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and I think another way to put what you're saying, I think, or the takeaway, I think, is that however you open it, it has to be about them, right? It can't just right. be, hey, I want to tell you about our cool solution. You don't even know right. if they, you don't know anything about them. They haven't said they, they want to hear it, right? So it, it has to be right. all about them and their needs, their interests. And if you can somehow get in there, then at least you have a chance. That's right. And, and uh, just, and I, and I don't know if you were going to ask about this later, but one of the objections that actually came up during the podcast that goes along with the, I'm not interested is when they go dark on you, when, when the competitor, when the, the customer, the prospect, you've, you've done everything you can and they go dark on you. One of the, one of the, the sellers uh, during the podcast reached out to me over IM and said, Hey, I have an interesting solution that I think you may like, and I said, well, maybe I'll share that during the podcast, but I thought it was interesting. So, so here it goes. Mm-hmm. Jeremy. Um, so yeah. he said that what he does is from time to time, he will go, he will find out that, he, so a, he's already contacted them, right? This is probably wouldn't work during a cold call, but he's already contacted them. He's got a relationship with them and they've gone dark on him. He had them called him in a while. And so he'll go and he'll deliver pizza and he'll leave his business card on top of a pizza and just deliver a pizza to them, right? And he said, hey, courtesy of blog, give me a call back if you enjoyed this, whatever. Very good, very cool in terms of uh, just the touch point. Uh, but another thing that I thought that, that was pretty cool was that he uh, <laughs> yeah. that he delivered a remote control, one of those little remote control helicopters to him, and he, uh, it was, uh, he removed the remote out of it. Um, so that they had the helicopter and basically left a note that said, hey, this is really cool. If you want to see how it works, give me a call back. I have the remote for it. But it was an, it was another really cool, just kind of innovative <laughs> wow. way, right? Um, a thinking out of the box way of, uh, of of getting back to him. And my point in telling that is not only to, to, to give him props for, for being innovative, but to say that that get creative, right, with the way that you tell stories, get creative with the way that the object that you handle the objections, there's no real right. Well, there is a wrong way, um, but there, there are, there are a tons of different right ways to, to do it. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I think, I mean, would you agree? People do want to be engaged, right? Even if they're busy, even yeah. if they have a million things going on, people do want to be entertained. They want to be engaged. They want to hear about really interesting, cool things that if it's relevant to who they are and what they're doing, I mean, do, would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, finding the way to engage them is the trick. So I read something about how objections can actually be seen as a good thing because they mean the buyer is engaged, at least at least partly, and that you can seize that opportunity to add value. And that objections can help you determine if the buyer is really qualified. Does that make sense to you? It does. It does. Because an objection is that, right? An objection is a legitimate reason why they may or, or may not believe they can purchase your product or whatever. But but someone who's just hands crossed, look, I've done presentations before where you've got seven, eight people in the room and one guy or gal just came along and they're just fiddling on their phone or they've got, they're even nodding off and they're not even engaged. So the person that's actively asking a question or, Hey, you know, what about this? That means that to your point, Jeremy, they are engaged in the conversation. Um, and they're genuinely interested in what you have to say. They just want to know how this is going to affect something that may affect them. Yeah, which is why then, to your point, it's so important to be prepared to have done that research and be prepared to answer that in a really compelling, engaging way. Correct. Yeah. Now, dealing with objections 
can certainly be discouraging, right? So what can reps do to keep from being discouraged? I mentioned a little bit about it earlier, which is, uh, you know, don't take it personal. Make sure that this is that they know that that, that objections are okay. They are part of the sales process. But uh, but so so that's number one is don't get discouraged because you're you're because of that. Another thing that I alluded to, or I don't know if I just alluded to it, or I've flat out mentioned it was to say that just because one person says no or has an objection, um, it doesn't mean that uh, that they don't have a potential to land somewhere else. So go into it with a uh, a pessimistic optimism is is the word the word I like to use. In other words, to be able to say, well, it didn't work there, but it doesn't mean that I can't sell something to that that organization. There may be another line of business that that really uh, I can meet with that can really help me drive that can be my champion from within. So so just because uh, person X says no doesn't mean person Y will not. And, and so, uh, or, or we'll say yes. So that's, uh, that's kind of the, the big takeaway. I mean, for me, as a, if I want to share that with the sales rep is to be able to say, look, just because that didn't uh, go the way you wanted to, doesn't mean we fall on our sword, right? We, 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 uh, we have other opportunities in uh, and, or we have uh, the rest of the calendar year to be able to make this happen. Absolutely. So let's boil it down. What's the main point that you want listeners to take away from this discussion? Not to be discouraged by objections. Uh, objections are part, as I mentioned before, are part of the sales process. And that a good way to handle the objections is to get ahead of them as best as possible. And that happens all in preparation. And then the last thing is to know that they are not a sales island out there by themselves trying to you know, conquer the world alone. They've got, especially at Polycom, we have a sales team, a sales organization that they can lean on to help them as part of their journey, right? To, to help them be the best uh, mini CEO of their territory that they can possibly be. So Jose, how can people reach you if they want to talk about this more? Yeah. So my email address is jose.mateo, J-O-S-E dot M-A-T-E-O at polycom.com. I'm in the global address list. Um, they can send me an email or um, they can contact me via Skype for Business, I am, however they want to reach out and talk. Great. Jose, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me. That does it for this episode of the Polycom Power Selling Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do that by using the podcast app on your phone to search for Polycom Power Selling Podcast and clicking subscribe. Thanks for listening. 